uh, that I think is really, really important for you to know because we're going to be coming out. I've got a couple more additions to make to a calendar uh, that we have put together for things in the end of June, July, August, and September. There are going to be some additions to what we already have. But one of the things I want to point to is next Sunday. I know it's kind of considered the holiday weekend for the 4th of July. So we want to make it very special for you and very special for us as a church. For those that attend, I know a lot of people will be traveling because last Sunday, this Sunday, next Sunday, and the next are the busiest vacation Sundays of the year. But if you're here next Sunday, here's what we're calling it. We're calling it Party in the USA. And so again, knowing that 4th of July is the next week, just a couple of days after the week. We want you to help us kind of celebrate. We want you to wear something red, white, and or blue. So all three colors, if you don't have all three colors, wear something. Again, some of you could go back into the closet and pull something out from several years ago, something that's kind of patriotic. Wear that. Again, let's have fun with it next Sunday. And we're going to have some other things that we're going to do that we'll incorporate with next Sunday. But again, that is next Sunday, July 2nd. It's called Party in the USA. So wear something red, white, and blue, something kind of patriotic. Let me also highlight a couple of other things. Uh, Wednesday of this, of this week, we have our call to prayer, which we've had the last couple of weeks. And again, that happens right here in the auditorium from 4 p.m. until 6 p.m. We're just opening up the auditorium. The lights will be low, which you're kind of used to that. The stage lights will be low. There'll be some worship music playing. And you are welcome to come anytime between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. You can stay a little bit or you can stay a long time. You can sit in your seat, the seat that you're accustomed to. You can sit on the back row, the front row. You can get on your knees or on your face, however you want to spend time in prayer. But we totally encourage you to join us as many people already have the last two weeks. You just come in. You'll see a table set up right when you come in. And as you look at that table, there'll be some instructions there. We do ask you if you can, if you want to, you don't have to. To sign up, we kind of like want to know who's here so we can follow up if there's a need to follow up. But there's a sign-up sheet. There are instructions. There are also communion elements if you want to take communion. And again, you just kind of do it at your leisure and as you desire to do it. We just ask that people not talk, that people turn their cell phones to silent. And again, that it kind of continues to have a time of worship. So again, that is this coming Wednesday 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Another date I want to highlight, since I have not put the calendar out, is July the 16th. Uh, that is Scoopalicious, which most of you really look forward to. That's where we ask you to make your favorite flavor of homemade ice cream. And again, bring that, and other people will enjoy that. You'll get the details of that in the next week or so. But again, that will happen at the Jimmy Floyd Center on July the 16th. Now, let me just kind of dive. Let me also say this. Uh, one of the reasons why I was kind of late coming in is uh, we had worked all week long with Facebook and trying to get it all worked out. Well, it's not working. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just technology. We've had all kind of technology issues this morning, and I'm kind of done with it. I think, we've, I think next week we're just going to turn the lights up. Uh, we're going to uh, do away with the screens and bring out the hymnals. You know what I, I mean? I'm just, I'm just about ready to, to throw the technology away. It's great when it works, but when it doesn't work, it is absolutely the worst. You know, here's the thing I've discovered. I've spent a lot of years on this earth, and I want to tell you something. My life seems to be happier when I make my life about me. I mean, think about it. I mean, I mean you're just the same. You, your life seems to, be, seems to be a lot better when the focus is on you. I mean, if we could all just be honest, the truth of the matter is we just think that when 
the focus is on us and our wants and our needs and our desires, it just for some reason seems to make life a lot better when it's all about you. And I think it's pretty easy for all of us to admit that we seem to be a little happier in our life when the direction of our life is focused on me or on us. And see, that's the line of thinking that's brought me to the place that we are today. Because where we are today is we've kind of reached an apex, uh, 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 an end to where I want to sum up what the last three weeks, including today, have been about. And I actually want to sum that up by asking a question that you're going to see on the screen. And here's the question. The question is, is there a way for me and for you to live our life and to get past the point of me, to get past the point of self-absorption? Is there a way for you and I to live our lives where we don't consistently look and think that the focus of our life needs to be about me? Is there a way that we can live our life and bless the world, and at the same time we're blessing the world, our lives get blessed, but it also enriches the experience of all the people who are living their lives on planet Earth. And over the last couple of weeks, today being the third week, we've kind of answered that question. And we've said yes. Yes, there is. There is such a way that we can live our life where the world gets improved we live our lives and the world gets improved, our lives get blessed, and actually it's a better experience for all the people on the earth. And what we're talking about is really very simple. It's the way that Jesus lived. It's us living our lives the way that Jesus called his followers to live. It's to live a life not about me, not focused on me, but to live a life focused beyond ourselves. It's to take that life and lay it down, that life that's focused upon me, and to do what Jesus did. And we showed you that example a couple of weeks ago, where Jesus picked up the towel and washed the feet of his followers. It's the example. The example is for you and I to live the life that Jesus lived. It's living the life of the towel. And here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to kind of close this out because this wasn't intended to be a series, but it's kind of turned into a mini-series. But we're going to take a look at three very simple verses and two of the verses that we look at this morning, or that we're going to look at this morning, they come from a really unusual place. The first two of the three verses that we are going to look at actually come from the book of Titus. Titus chapter 3. And, and when you think about Titus, most people don't even, they don't even know about Titus. They don't even read because it's this little bitty obscure book uh, that we find in the Bible, and honestly, it's one of those Bible, it's one of those uh, books from the Bible that I don't necessarily preach from a lot. But today, I'm going to preach from it. 
And the verses that we find there, those two scriptures, speak to the importance of living a life beyond me. A life that's not focused on me. Because I believe it's these verses that help us see the importance of what it really means to live a life that's focused on others. And the scripture that we're about to look at brings into view the very importance of you and I doing for others. And again, these verses are going to give us direction as we're going to look to answer three very important questions before we finish today. But first, let's look at Titus chapter 3, verse 8. Here's what it says. These things I have told you are all true. I want you to insist on them so that everyone who trusts God will be careful. Look at what it says. Will be careful to do good deeds all the time. These things are beneficial for everyone. Now skip down to verse 14. It says, for, you, for our people should not live unproductive lives. They must learn to do good by helping others who have urgent needs. Now, let me tell you why, let me help you understand why these verses are really important to my life. And not only are they important to my life, I think these verses are important to your life as well. Because, see, I, I can tell you that there are some nights that I lay my head down on my pillow. My pillow. I do have a my pillow, okay? I do have one of those. I know it's probably not politically correct, but I had it before all the mess is going on. But I love my pillow. And there are times when I lay my head down on my pillow, and you know what? I can feel really good about myself. I mean, there are times when I lay my head down on that pillow, and you know what? I look back at the course of my day or maybe the course of my week, and you know what? I can feel really good about myself because I've done some really, really good things. I can get puffed up when it comes to how good I am. Because what I do is I look around people and I see people in this world and, and I start to compare myself to the people in the world and what they're doing. And, you know, I look at them and I say, you know what, compared to them and compared to her and compared to that family, I'm a pretty good guy. And I can feel really puffed up and really prideful and really good about myself. Because maybe there was during the course of my day a, a temptation that I fought off. And that temptation was for me to be, a, to be a jerk, to respond in a way that, you know, I really wanted to respond, but when I was tempted to respond that way, I didn't respond that way. Or maybe I can look at my day and I, I choke back a temptation to, to look at something that I shouldn't look at. Maybe that's on television, maybe that's on the internet. But I feel good about myself because I was tempted to look at it and I didn't look at it. Or maybe I was tempted to do something but I didn't do it. And knowing that I resisted that temptation, I can get a little puffed up because I feel good about myself simply because I didn't give in to the temptation. And, and see, sometimes I feel so good about myself that it's kind of like the first Saturday of every month. You know what happens on the first Saturday of every month? The tornado siren. 
And, and sometimes I feel so good about myself that I expect like that tornado siren will test on the first Saturday at noon of every month. I expect because I was so good and I didn't give in to temptation, I expect to hear God's divine horn blow. Just giving me credit because I was so good. I mean, there are times where I expect God to, to stop all of creation and just to, to very, I mean, just to come down out of heaven and, and to give me a medal for the day that I live because during that day I didn't give into temptation and I didn't cause harm to the cause of Christ as it related to a circumstance in my life. See, there, there is this tendency for you and I to look at our own goodness, and we all kind of think, you, you think like me. I mean, again, you do. But there's a tendency for us to look at our own goodness, if you will, and not look at how we can actually take that goodness and move that focus away from us but to others in our life that we will come in contact with. So today I want to ask you three big picture questions. And these three big picture questions are going to help us move forward into this life, into living this life that we've been talking about these last couple of weeks, today being the third week. And the first question is one that, it's one that we've kind of sort of covered, but it's important. So let's review it one last time. And the question is this. Look, look at the screen behind me. Why? Why should we live that kind of life? Why should we live a life that's beyond us? Why should we go on a daily basis out of our way to do good deeds? And again, I'm sure that's a question that some of you have asked over the last couple of weeks. Randy, why is it that I should do this? Why is it that I should live this life? Why is it that I should do the things that you've been talking about these last couple of weeks? And honestly, the best way that I can answer that question is with some really simple words. That you should live that life that you should be devoted to doing good. You should be devoting to doing good for others because that was God's destiny from the very beginning of time. I mean, doing good has been God's plan from the very beginning. Doing good is God's plan for you and it's God's plan for me. God's plan for all of us is that all of us would do good. Now, we looked at the first two verses from Titus, but we're going to look at another verse from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And this is what the Apostle Paul writes because it helps us understand that this is what he's really speaking to. Look at what it says, Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which, this is the part of it I like best, which God prepared for us in advance to do. God prepared us for good works. And see, here's the thing that you will discover if you take the time to pick up your Bible and to read it. If you will dive into the Scripture, one of the things that you're going to find is that God is good. 
I mean, go, go all the way back. Go all the way back to creation. Because when you think about it, God could have created people. He could have created you and I, and he could have put us into like a non-blessed environment. He could have put you into a very black and white environment. There's, just, there's, there's no color. I mean, it's just black and white. This is just, I mean, he could have put you in a cages like those animals, like the kangaroos at the Nashville Zoo. He could have put you in a cage, but he didn't do that. He wanted to be good to you. So he created this magnificent planet with mountains and oceans and valleys and hills and, 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 and beaches and pastures and streams. All sorts of things on this ma magnificent planet. And he said, I'm so good that I want my people to live in a good world. And God gave us all magnificent bodies. Some, I might admit, are more magnificent than others. You know what I'm saying? But he gave us these magnificent bodies. He gave us awesome intellects, sensitive hearts, complex souls. He gave us all of those things. And what did he say? He called it all good. And then he does something. He commissions us as his creation to do good things. All through history, he commissions us to do good things, to do goodness. And then there comes this point in history where the best thing that he could do for us was to actually cure our sin problem. The best thing that he could do was to redeem us from the mistakes and the foul-ups that we would continually make. So what did God do? God took what was most precious to him. He took Jesus Christ and he offered him up as a sin sacrifice so that people like you and I could be redeemed, free of charge. God gave his one and only son so that you and I could receive the gift of salvation free of charge. And see, if you want to know how good God is, that's how good God is. And it's that goodness, it's that same sense of goodness that God fills us with. So what Paul was writing in Ephesians is really his way of telling us that we are God's masterpieces. We are what God uses to bless the world. Because these days, if God wants to touch somebody's life, if God wants to bless somebody's life, He's going to do that through your life and through my life. And see, if you look at the news on any given day, you're going to see that that happens all the time. Because again, in the most amazing way, if you look at the news over just the past month or so, you see that God has touched us, all of us. 
I mean, if we look at the news and we see storms and disasters and all the things that have upended people's lives, those are the kind of things that break the heart of God. God's heart is broken every time somebody's life is turned upside down. And again, right here in Tennessee, whether you actually saw it or not, but there were people from churches in Tennessee who immediately went to the aid of those whose lives had been impacted by some of the things that we've seen happened in our area of the country. And so God wanted to be good to the people in Tennessee, and he wanted to be good to the people in the other states. So a bunch of people in both of those areas became his hands and his feet to help those people that were hurting. Because God's heart was broken over what he saw. Right now, God's heart is broken over the racial division that we see, over the sexual division that exists in our world. And God wants our hands and our feet to be the first hands that cross over these divides that we see existing in our world and in our country today. Because we're the hands and the feet of Christ. We are the ones who do the good that God wants done in this world. So let, let me draw you a picture, and it's going to be very simple. And I hope, I, you know, you, I'll kind of narrate it so that you can understand what I'm drawing, because I'm, I'm not a, an artiste. That's a stick man. I don't know how to draw, okay? I'm stick, I'm just, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not that good at it. That's you and me. We're just, we're just over here drifting through life. I mean, we're just over here drifting through life. And then one day we reach a point. And, and that point really is kind of like a line. And, and, and we call that the line of salvation. The point of crossing the line. And what's really interesting is this. Pe people go through life, and, and, and you know what's really interesting is how God works because he does this in different ways. But you and I are going through life, and we think that the things of this world, the pleasures of this world, the, those are the greatest thing. But then somehow, some way, God brings the realization that money isn't it, and power isn't it, and prestige isn't it. And so people start looking around, and they, they look, and they read, and they ask and then they meet a Christian, somebody who follows Jesus, somebody they respect and they like, and they build a relationship with that person. What, what did we call that a couple of weeks ago? We call it relational evangelism. It's becoming a trusted friend for the sake of eternity. And, and, and so they, they find this trusted friend and they start talking to them, and they start listening to them, and they start consulting with them. And consulting is probably not the way, but, you know, having a conversation. And they go from like a, a, a negative 10 to a negative 6 to a negative 3 
And then they come to church. They start listening to the messages. They start listening to the worship music. And over time, something happens. Their heart softens. They get a Bible. Maybe somebody gives them a Bible. They start to read that Bible. And then comes this point. Where they cross the line of faith. They invite Jesus into their life to be their Savior. To forgive them of the sins that they've committed. And they start to follow him. And when that happens, that means you're on the other side of this line. And the Bible tells us that once you cross that line, the point of salvation, the Bible says that Jesus, that God gives you, because of your faith in Jesus, he gives you a new heart. So here you are, you move from here to there, and you're on the other side of the line. God gives you a new heart. And what does God do? God fills that heart with goodness and peace and love. He fills that with, with, with his sense of security. So here you are now, I, I, I could have drawn that with a person, but I'm just going to go with the heart. Here you are, you've moved across the line of faith, and here you are now with this new heart. And you start to hear about, and you've already heard, but you hear more about this fantastic promise that God has made that one day you're going to experience heaven. And I'm, I'm going to do this in a kind of a weird uh, way, but I'm going to kind of just go, ah, Aha. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I wanted to draw angel wings, but I wasn't I tried and I practiced and I'm not really good at that. So it's this aha. Uh-huh. See? It's aha. Uh-huh. One day you just can't wait. You're going to escape this world. And you're going to get to go to heaven. Heaven is waiting for you. But I have this other question, and it's not one of the three questions that I told you we were going to talk about, but this question is this. Once you're on the other side of this line, you've got a new heart full of goodness and love and peace and security, and you've got the promise of heaven, why doesn't God just take you to heaven? I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I got a good bit of miles on me, but I feel like I, my tires are still good. And I got lots of things I want to do. But in the world that we're living in right now, as bad as it is, sometimes I'm like, God, come on, please. Anybody with me? It's a mess. And you wonder why God doesn't just go ahead and take you to heaven. And I'll tell you why. Ephesians 2, verse 10. Because there are good works between here and here. There are good works, there are good deeds, there are good things that need to be done between here and here 
that God has prepared in advance for you and for me to do. If you're a Christian, why hasn't God taken you to heaven? Why did he leave you here after you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Why did he leave you here to suck up precious air on this earth? Well, there's only one reason, because you're not finished doing good things. The good deeds that God wants you to do between this line and this day. There's more, listen, listen, listen. There's more in life to do because it's not about you. There's more in life to do, but it's not about you. It's about other people. So we've answered the why, but now the where. This is the second question of the three questions. Look look at the screen behind me. Where should you be doing good deeds? Where should you be doing all these good deeds? And it's easy. You're going to laugh when I tell you this. You do good things wherever you are. Did you hear me? You do good deeds wherever you are. When you go home today, do good in your home. Men, do good to your wife. Wives, do good to your husbands. Do good deeds for your children. Do good deeds in our community. As a matter of fact, our students on Wednesday night, inside out, middle school, high school, they're going to go to Lebanon Square in the coming weeks with Lori and Jenna Lee and, and, and Lisa and some of the leaders there. And, and they're going to actually, they actually went this past Wednesday night, so that's already behind us, and you can't do anything about that. But what we did was we took the popcorn that we gave away, we had some leftover, we took that up there. And we cooked uh, hot dogs and took hot dogs and chips and, and the popcorn this past Wednesday night. And we went up there. And again, those people, would have, you would have thought we would have, we would have prepared filet mignon. Because we showed that we cared about them. So we had about 100 pair of socks left over. And next couple of weeks from now, we're going to go up there and... We're going to put some other stuff, and we're going to put some really cool things together, and we're going to uh, take the socks up there. I mean, everybody can use a good pair of socks, right? By the way, can I just say this? I loved our socks. And this is the only church in town where you get a pair of socks with a beer mug on them. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And skeletons, you know what I mean? But again, that's just who we are. But we're going to take the rest of those socks, incorporate that with some other things, and go visit our good friends up here at Lebanon Square because, again, we feel called to do good deeds in their life. And you can go with us. Or, let me tell you this, you can go with Carol Farrell. Carol Farrell has a group of teams or several teams going to Compassionate Hands through the summer. And again, she may have those teams full, but she can get your name for a future date. And again, you can go to Compassionate Hands and you can help her and her teams as we meet needs that they have. You can do good deeds with Compassionate Hands. You can also go out to Joseph's Storehouse. 
the executive director, Benny Nolan, is in the first service, and I pointed him out this morning, and I said, if you want to do good deeds, you're looking for good deeds to do, go to Joseph's Storehouse. They have more needs right now for food and edible items than they've ever had, and it's because of inflation. People just can't make their money go far enough. So you can do good deeds there. That, that's three. You can do good deeds right here in this church. See, here's the thing. Some people believe that we can just live however we please in certain environments. Some people believe, well, when I'm over here or when I'm over there, all the claims of Jesus are off. And they truly believe when that's the case that they don't have to do a good deed there or they don't have to do a good deed here. So they don't do them. But here's the thing I would tell you. When you're in your neighborhood, be kind to your neighbors. Do good deeds there. Make a cake. Make some brownies. Buy something on Amazon and ship it to them anonymously. When you go to work in the morning, don't take a nasty pill. Don't go into work and start beating up on people. Go into work tomorrow and do good work. When you go into the restaurant after this service today, listen, listen, listen. Be kind to the people who are serving you. Because you know what those people tell me? They tell me that we're the worst people, that they don't like to serve us. And I tell you that quite often. They don't like Sundays because they don't like church people. Because church people are the worst people. So today when you go to Cracker Barrel or Gondola or wherever it is you go, be kind to the people who are serving you. Do good deeds when you're there. And like I said a while ago, when you come here to church, do good deeds here. Use your gift of teaching here in Wabaland or in Upstreet. Use your gift of helps here, uh, your gift of encouragement. Use it here. Use those gifts here. Put them to work. Do good when you're here. So let's go back and look at this again. The why. It's because we have been called to do good. We've been called to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. The where is anywhere that you are. Here's the last question of the three questions. How? How do you do the good deeds that you know God wants you to do that have been prepared for you in advance since the very beginning of time? How do you do those? Are you ready? You do those as the Holy Spirit leads you. Now, listen, I know, I, I know that's, to some of you that sounds cheesier than a box of mozzarella sticks. I know that sounds cheesy. I know it sounds churchy. 
But let me tell you, listen to what I'm saying. Hear my heart. One of the greatest gifts of the Christian life is the guiding, whispering, prompting voice of the Holy Spirit. In each one of our lives. One of the greatest gifts that you will ever have is to have that small, still voice prompting and whispering and encouraging you. And let me just tell you, let me just tell you, look, 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 look at me right here. If you don't sense the voice of the Holy Spirit, you might want to go back and look at this line. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're not hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit when you're sinning and leaning towards doing things that you know you shouldn't do, can I just tell you, and I, 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 this is all about transparency today, baby, I'm telling you. I'm a sinner, and most of my sin is committed right between these two ears. It's in my thoughts. And even when I start to think things I shouldn't, I hear that voice. And if you're not hearing that voice, maybe you need to revisit and see, are you actually saved? Because one of the greatest gifts of the Christian life is that small voice, the guiding, whispering, prompting power of the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives. Because throughout the course of your day, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to prompt you and tell you and nudge you of the little things that He wants you to do. And can I just warn you? Most of what the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you to do, you're not going to want to do. Anybody want to testify? I mean, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I can totally tell you, maybe that's why we're not on Facebook today. I'm just being really too transparent, you know. But the Holy Spirit's going to tell you, I need, I need you to do, oh, are you kidding me? Did you look at my bank account? I don't even like him. Those are not my people, Holy Spirit. I don't like those people. And most of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to encourage you and nudge you and prompt you to do is going to be things that you don't want to do. So let me tell you something that happened to me within the last month. It happened right in front of this building. Go down the steps just to the left right there where the parking. There's no parking, but it's a, you know, part of the parking lot. About a month ago, within the last month, I pulled up out there in my vehicle, got out, came in, did whatever I needed to do, went back out, started to get back in my vehicle. The door's open. I'm halfway in. I'm halfway out. Somebody hollers my name, and I'm looking, and somebody across the parking lot is coming towards me. I'm halfway in, I'm halfway out. They arrive at my vehicle. I'm talking to them, and, and like a bat out of heck, another car pulls up in the parking spots right in the front, and, and a guy jumps out. Now, I'm going to be transparent. Listen. And a guy jumps out. He makes his way towards the door, 
And me and this other person are standing there having a conversation, and the guy says, hey, is there a church around here? And I was like, yeah, there's one right here, but it's closed. The doors are locked. Man of God, right? Okay. I didn't say anything about who I was or what I did. I said, yeah, they're closed. He said, well, he said, I I was really needing some help. And I thought there was a church here. Somebody told me there was a church here. And he said, I was trying to get some money for some gas to get to wherever he was going. He was going somewhere up north. He was coming from the south, going somewhere up north. And he said, I was trying to get some money for some gas. And so I was going to ask the people at the church for some help. Well, there ain't nobody there. I'm sorry. They're locked up. It's, there's nobody here. And can I just be honest with you? I hear stories like this a million times. And you know what? I usually don't bite when somebody says that because, can I, can I just be really honest with you? I've given enough money away to people who said they needed it for their baby and their wife and their rent and their gas, and they turned around spending it for drugs and beer and alcohol. And I found out about it. But it almost makes me a little indifferent. It almost makes me a little, matter of fact, somebody called Gondola because, no, I'm just kidding. But if I had all the money that I've given away to people who said they were going to use money for a need, but they used it for something else, I could buy everybody in here's lunch, steak dinner today at Gondola. So it makes me a little, a little on edge when people say, you know, I, I just need, I need some help with gas. I mean, again. Never said who I was, never said what I did. This guy's kind of dressed normal. Decent car, not smell like alcohol, not looking like he was on drugs. But I was skeptical at best. And I did answer him honestly. I said, you know, I'd love to help you, but I don't have any cash. And you know what? Most of the time, I just don't carry cash. And then something came up about he was hungry. And he was trying to get somewhere up north, and he had had car problems along the way, and it took all of his money. And, and so I, I, I did the best thing I knew how at the time was I said, let me, let me refer you up to the help center. It's right up here. You go to the street and straight across. I said, tell them that you saw some people at the church and, and, and that they referred you to come up here because we work with the help center. And then it happened. That nudging, prompting voice of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, but then I remembered I don't have any cash on me. And I didn't have any cash on me. But then I remembered. About three days before that, I had taken some bills out of my bag, my purse, I guess you would call it, <laughs> and there was like a $5 bill and some ones and some stuff, you know, and I, and I was, just, and I put it in a Ziploc bag and just kind of stuck it underneath 
a, a place in my car. I'm not going to tell you where that's at now, okay? So anyway, but I had stuck it in my car, and, and it's like the Holy Spirit said, you remember that? And I was like, oh, yeah. And it was like $14. And he had already turned and was walking back to his car. And I said, hey, 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 hey. Remember the other guy that I was talking to? He's still there watching all this take place. I said, hey, 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 I just remembered I have, and I pulled out the Ziploc bag like Granny does, you know what I mean, and, 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 I, and I pulled out the money that was folded, and I, and I said, here, it's not much, but you can, it's everything that I've got. And I said, but let me just tell you, don't you use this for any, and I've gotten really good at this. Don't you use this for anything other than gasoline. If you do, I hope you choke on it. I'm about that bad, you know what I mean? I've just really, I've been beat up so many times and he was so grateful and I pointed in the direction to get to the speedway up there on North Cumberland and told him that would be the closest and the cheapest place for him to get his gas so that he didn't run out and then the Holy Spirit said wait a minute Randy you got something else and I remembered I had a Chick-fil-a gift card that somebody probably one of you gave it to me and I remembered him saying that he was hungry so I took the gift card that I had, and I gave it to him. And I said, I know you said you were hungry, but here's a, here, here's a gift card to Chick-fil-A. I, you need to ask them how much is on it, because I'm not sure if I've used it or not. And I said, but ask them. And I pointed him in the direction of Chick-fil-A, and he said, you know, I have never eaten at Chick-fil-A before. And I gave him that gift card. Now, again, I'm just going to be honest with you. And don't scold me. Don't send me no email. Don't put no comment anywhere. I don't want to give my money to anybody. Especially somebody who just walks up and asks for it. But I did it. Because it's exactly what the Holy Spirit nudged me to do. And can I be just really honest? I, I did it and kind of was hoping like the next day that I was going to go to the mail and there was going to be an envelope with $1,000 in it because I had been obedient. You know what I'm saying? Mysteriously just appeared in my mailbox, but it wasn't there. But you know what did happen? I followed the leading voice of the Holy Spirit. And you know what that was? It was a testimony to the guy who was standing at my car who watched it all play out. Because I told him that I would not have done it unless I felt that God was prompting me to do it. Because this is what I'm talking about. See, don't miss the thing here. Don't, it's, it, this is not something where I'm talking about, look, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at what I did. This is not about me. This is just an example of how God will prompt you by His Holy Spirit to do something else in the life of another person. And many times it's not going to be something that you want to do. And the question is, will you do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do?
Will you do what the Holy Spirit nudges you to do? Will you listen to him? Will you listen to him throughout the course of your day? Listen to the little things that he asks you to do. Even though those things may seem trivial, even though those things may make no sense at all to you. Will you listen to his voice? Because see, here's my observation. When I think about my time in ministry, I just want you to know this. I have never seen anybody just drift over in their life and start living a life where they follow the example of Jesus and they pick up the towel and they live a life of servanthood. I've, I've never seen anybody just drift over there and that happen. Because listen to me, the drift is always towards selfishness. The drift is always towards self-absorption. Because everything in this world tells me that everything's about me. Everything you listen to, everything you watch, everything you read. Any type of media is always focused on me, me, me. And anyone who lives the life of the towel, they become that bearer of the towel at a point where they decide, that's my life. That's the direction of my life. And you know, I realize that some of you in this service, you've already made that decision to live the life of the towel. But you know what? There's a lot of us in here and even some of those listening online who haven't made that decision. You're not living a life following the example of Jesus and picking up the towel. So this morning, I want to take the final few minutes that I have and tell you something. Because I believe that where we're going as a church and you are going as an individual, today, last week, and the week before, these weeks are important. I believe the last three weeks are more important than most of us realize. Because I believe as we move forward that we'll look back at these three weeks and there's going to be a time where we all said enough, enough about me, enough about us. It's actually about other people. Because the last three weeks have opened our eyes to the fact that God is doing something bigger in our lives for us as believers and for us as a church. Because I believe we're going to go places if the Holy Spirit leads us. And we need to be prepared and understand that this life isn't about us. It isn't about what we want. But this life is about others. So this morning, on behalf of the teachings of Jesus, I want to ask you a question. 
Are you willing? Are you willing from this day forward as the Holy Spirit gives you the power are you willing to pick up the towel and follow the example of Jesus? Are you willing to pick up the towel realizing that the towel is your destiny? You do it wherever you are. And you do it however the Spirit leads you. Would you bow your heads this morning and pray with me, please? God, we take this time to sit in your presence and to meditate on your word. Realizing that you want to do in our lives exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. But so much of that comes down to obedience and servanthood. It comes to following the example of Jesus and being the people that you've called us to be because doing good has been our destiny. The question is, will we follow that prompting, that leading, that nurturing, encouraging voice of the Holy Spirit? God, I just pray that these last three weeks are like seeds that have been sown into our hearts, spiritually speaking. And those seeds find themselves in good soil. And that they spring up and they bring a bountiful harvest so that people see us and know us because of what we do. We follow the example of Jesus. We take up the towel. And the storms may come and the waves may crash, but we don't give in. We stay true to who you've called us to be. As we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. 
peace abounds in deepest waters You shall in Him will be my guide If He may feel and fear surrounds me You've never failed and won't stop now Let's stand together upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace for I am your and you are Without borders, let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me and take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. And take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my justice without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. My soul will rest in your embrace For I am yours And you are mine 